Welcome to another edition of Full Time Out with Quebec and everybody's uncle. Olympics are done. You know, free agency is rolling. Vegas Summer League is about to start today. Yes, sir. What up, Unc? What up, what up, Kev? Hey, I'm good, man. I'm good, you know. Post it up. Still watching these games, man. It's always yeah, it's yeah. always on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um the US obviously won the gold medal uh yesterday against France in the finals. Australia finally won a medal, finishing third. Uh on the women's side, US won. Uh Japan, you know, silver medalist, an incredible run, and then France finished third. So I know obviously you watched a lot more on the men's side. What did you think about, you know, the tournament and how the games was played, how the you know, the US team that I was kind of doubted, criticized. Um man, they I feel like they did what they were, they were supposed to do at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Whenever you put a group of talented guys together, you know what I'm saying? Like you expect them to win. You know what I mean? Which often I feel like it's unfair for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the way basketball is developing and everything. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's hard to win with a stacked talented team. Versus, let's say, having a team that is well put together as far as, like, positions and, and needs and, and role. You know what I mean? I think often with basketball, we think we just put the best guys together and it's supposed to work. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But sometimes when you put all the best guys together, a lot of egos, a lot of guys were used to playing a certain way. Now they have to, you know, dim it down and they're not used to it. And who's going to take the lead? And that's why sometimes I feel like if you have, like, one really, really good guy and everybody knows your role around him, sometimes that's a better team, you know what I'm saying, for a win than it is to put, let's say, the best talent together. And I think with the U.S., what happened is as the tournament kept going, KD started establishing himself more as, I, I'm that guy. You know what I'm saying? The rest, you guys just follow. You know what I'm saying? And having a guy like Drew, I mean, I love the way when Drew was going in there because Drew's a guy that knows his position and he's going to play the hell out of that position the best way he knows how. And, you know what I'm saying, then you got a few guys around. But I think as the tournament kept going, that started establishing more. Obviously, they played better defense and the whole nine. But I think KD putting his foot down like, yo, thing has to go through. Because there's games that I've seen, especially like in the – exhibition and stuff like that, KD would take like 10 shots. I'm like, nah, that's not going to work out, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, you but, have to let it go. But th- don't you think it was also part of the, you know, the offensive scheme that they were running where, you know, they started off, you know, trying to run the uh, sort of emotion offense where it was right. kind of equal opportunity. But, you know, you kind of need a lot more chemistry than those three days of training camp or whatever time they had and then trying to win a tournament in two weeks, right? Absolutely. Maybe maybe that was also the cause of, like, KD not finding his footing in that offense. And once they switched it up, I felt like, you know, they kind of went back to the basics. Attack the mismatches, run high screen rolls, and, you know, find the best shots for your best player. Definitely. Definitely. I'm with you on that. I think part of it was, you know what I'm saying, the equal opportunity offense. And once again, that comes with having a stacked team where you feel like, how do I tell Dane? you're behind KD. How do I tell Jason Tatum, who's been killing, you're going to have to be after, you know what I'm saying, D-book. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you tell them that? You know what I'm saying? The best way to do it is like, hey, if we can all do it together. And I think, once again, we have this misconstrued where in the past, you know what I'm saying, 
the best player of the team, which was Kobe, decided that he was he didn't care for no offense. He wanted to defend. So yeah. right away, you kind of took away some of that ego, you know what I'm saying, on the offensive side. Whereas like if the best player can say, I don't need the offense, I'm cool with doing that, then automatically you don't have to figure it out for the rest of the guys as a coach, right? But now you got a bunch of guys who's more like offensive oriented. You want to kind of want to please everybody. Right. And so by doing that, you're kind of hurting yourself in that situation. I think when he tightened it up a little bit and, you know, set who is the alpha, you know what I'm saying? And the rest will follow. I think it, it made the offense look a lot more smooth and KD is built like that. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I think, I think once, once they kind of switch things around, it, it kind of put, as you said, you know, a kind of hierarchy on, on the squad and right. kind of saw who was who and, And they kind of fit a certain role, and, and you put it so well. I think Drew, even when they were not, they, they, they didn't necessarily gel. When he came from the finals and you saw the impact that he had on the team, that was like, okay, they really needed that guy because he was kind of the only guard that could run an offense, whereas Dame is kind of used to run his offense. And right. having his way in a sense where – he's taking the shot because he's the one that, you know, is the best option on his team. But in that situation, like you said, when you have so much talent, so much, so many guys that average over 25 a game where, well, you, you kind of have to, you know, get those guys the shots because sometimes, I mean, Dame is good. He's great, but he's still a six foot one point guard, you know, right. a six right. nine wing that can passable and shoot or seven foot guard like KD that can, you know, do everything on the court exactly so him not being able to run the offense kind of you know put him in a position where you it was a hard time for him to figure out his role in that tournament it was but he came up big in the final and he hit a, some key key shots at the end but right. throughout the tournament he kind of had a hard time finding his footing in that what what, what did you think about about being in this tournament Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, we, we had some, you know, debates off the court. I think, you know, he, he had to figure it out. You get what I'm saying? Like, and I think yeah. the comparison often we make with other guys, like let's say Kyrie or, or whatever that we had is Dame is used to playing the point, right? And he plays the point his way. And he's been doing it for the last, what, eight years? I don't know how long he's been in the league for, but he's been playing his way. Yeah. Now, the other guys, um, and more, For Kyrie, Kyrie can't play the point like Dame does and, and, and win. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Because what Dame does on the NBA level with the teams that he had, you know what I'm saying, playing the point position, not a lot of guys could do that. You get what I'm saying? Like putting up those huge numbers and being ball. Are you sure Are you sure Kyrie or Steph would be able to do that? I mean, I think. I Steph, I believe more in Steph than Kyrie when it comes to it. Um, and not that Kyrie doesn't have the skill set or anything. It's just I've never seen Kyrie do it. When mm. Kyrie plays the point, it hurts the team. Yeah. Like, they don't win. You get what I'm saying? Like, even with yeah. Brooklyn, he had to let James do that. Yeah. Because that would have been a disaster. And we got to keep it real. I love Kyrie. I think he's probably one of the greatest skill set to ever play the game. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to him playing the point guard position, They don't win. That's why him playing the two, he's so comfortable because all he has to do is, and we spoke about this earlier, is he just got to catch on the closeout guy and cook him. Yeah. 
You get what I'm saying? He doesn't have to, you know what I'm saying, overthink it, do whatever. He just got to be himself, and which is playing the two. You get what I'm saying? So when we make the comparison, and I think we spoke about it, like I said, off the, off the record, where guys are like, well, no, this, the way they perform in the, in the Olympics, it's a stamp that Kyrie is that much better because Kyrie did better in their situation. But in that situation, Kyrie was himself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Which is playing the two. Dane doesn't play the two. Mm-hmm. So now it's like he was asked to kind of play the two, which is an uncomfortable situation. And it's hard for him to figure no, it out I, in I that think, short stand. But sorry, sorry to cut you off, because I think he was, he was still playing the one, but he was playing the one a different way. You know exactly because at first exactly. he was asked to play the one, but playing the one in such a different manner that he really wasn't used to. So that changed absolutely for him. You know, and, and it changes a lot for that that type of player. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Like you gotta, you know what I'm saying? You you you're used to getting it done for your team, and now you gotta tone it down. And it takes, you know what I'm saying? Like special guys to do that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Guys who kind of fit into like, and that's that's why I'm putting Steph in there. Is Steph is that type of guy once again? But we once again we spoke about it. Steph development from uh, uh, what's that? Davidson from being off the ball got him so nice that when he got into let's say playing the point at a certain position or whatever, it's like he's fit for any type of role. Yeah, you get what I'm saying? Like you just kind of fit him. Everywhere, and that's what those that's what I mean by special is like you have those type of guys. KD is one of those guys, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Where you can have him playing on, on the moon and he's gonna find a way to make it work because exactly. of the skill set and just the ability to just play into different places. And sometimes I even feel like it hurts him because he's so comfortable that he'll let other guys be themselves and he's gonna kind of fall back and fit it and fix your mistakes, but sometimes we just need them to be the alpha and be like, yo, y'all gonna have to adjust to me because this is exactly for us to win. You know what I'm saying? So that's, you know what I'm saying, when it comes to Dame, I think that's that's really what it was. And that's why, like I said, I love Drew being in there because Drew is what they needed. They needed a guy that was gonna facilitate more, yeah. but also be a lockdown defender. And that's the thing, Dame is not a great defender. You know what I mean? Like, and, but Drew, Drew is such a great defender, and he does any and everything your team needs, and that's exactly what you need for a point. But, you know what I'm saying, if I'm starting a team right now and I need to start a point, I'm not picking Drew over uh, Dane because Dane brings more of the scoring. I feel like depending on the roster that I have, I'll probably go with Dane most of the time unless all I need is a guy that's gonna be a, you know what I'm saying, run my stuff and lock down defense. I might go with Drew, you know what I'm exactly. saying? Because, you know what I mean, that depend on, on the situation. And that could be said about a lot of guys too, depending on what you have. I always feel like when, if I have KD, because that's the scoring, the most easiest scoring, I might go with Drew. You probably have to go with Drew because it, it, yeah. it, 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 it makes more sense to go with Drew in that situation. But Absolutely. if you have somebody at the position you know, at the wing that is more limited, then you probably right. have to go with Dame because, you know, you would kind of need that outburst of scoring because and we've seen Drew as the number one option scoring-wise. Right. It doesn't get you the same results. As, Absolutely not. As Dame, you know. Dame, Dame has won games by himself. Right. But at the same time, it was kind of revealing in the fact that 
and we, we talked about it, he has a limited ability to adjust to the situation, situations, Dame. He does. He does. You know, and uh, that's one thing I think in order for him and his team to go on another level, he would have to do because otherwise they're kind of going to have to be stuck in that same situation, right? Right. So, uh, yeah. The, the thing is that he does, uh, but I'm not going to say he'll never be able to. I think it's a matter of seeing it and then ad addressing it. You yeah, exactly. Sometimes when you're good at certain certain things, it's hard for people to change your mind and let you understand. You're like, the way you've been doing it is not working. Sometimes you got to kind of bump your head. And even just listening to him talk about how international ball is different, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was his first rodeo. You get what I'm saying? Like, and the way he was talking about it, I was like, man, some of the rules are the way it's set in the NBA. It makes it so much easier to score. It's like, no duh. Like, how did you know that? Exactly. It's like, like what you've been doing, you know what I'm saying? But like I said, sometimes you're looking at it from outside looking in, you're like, man, you know what I mean? Like it ain't that deep, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. But once you get there and, you know, it's sitting in front of you, that's when you're like, dang, like I definitely didn't know it was like that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I think he's, it looks like he's getting that revelation from that situation and Hopefully, you know what I'm saying, he can get into the gym and put in that work, but also, you know what I'm saying, like watch a lot of films. I feel like that's more because, like I said, once again, he has the uh, most of the skill set. You know what I'm saying? I think yeah. passing, obviously, you got to work on it because he had a few situations that, I was, come on, bro, like, you know what I'm saying, one extra dribble and you're going to Yeah, exactly. Right Those are things you know that you're like, supposed to see at that level and being such right. a level guard, you know, and you can make yourself and everybody else's life much easier if you could. You know through that pass and exactly exactly so you know what i'm saying maybe going through that you know what i'm saying it'll allow him to you know see what's up and you know get in the gym and, and polish it up you know what i mean and, but that's why it when it came down to my critic i wasn't as hard as you know some of the guys that we know <laughs> <laughs> probably gonna hit me up when he hears this <laughs> you know what i mean because like i said man you know i think the skills are there the tools are there um it's it's a it's grown pain you know what i mean like it's not a type of situation where we're like man he's never going to be able to get at that level he's never going to be able to do this i think sometimes you got to bang your head a little bit and then you're like i needed this you know what i'm saying exactly. to, to, adjust. to get it right you know what i mean and i think he absolutely like i said the way he was talking about it it seemed like somebody who had no clue what international basketball is you know what i'm saying and he had to figure it out the hard way and is by going there and getting exposed on certain situations. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? By guys that he probably look at them like, you guys, you ain't even better than me. Or guys that he's been cooking in the league. And it's like, who are you? You know what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that will wake you up. That will have you realizing, man, like, I got to work on certain things, man. I can't just be out here bombing threes from half court. Mm-hmm. Like NBA basketball isn't everything. There's absolutely you know, not, and that's that's the major major takeaway because you see guys like Bam, you see guys like like Dame, or they're obviously all NBA players, NBA All Stars, and they kind of have a hard time finding the roles because a guy like Bam in the league, you know, he plays that you know high post role, creating right. creating off the off, off the dribble and you know. 
giving off end-offs and, and having that defensive, you know, responsibility. But in the FIBA game, you have to be able to defend post-ups, you know. Absolutely. You have to, able to be able to post-up and, you know, kind of take your guy one-on-one in that situation. So, and that, that kind of hurt him in the fact that he doesn't really have to do that in the league, right? Because most of the teams right. don't really use the post-up like that nowadays. Right. And he doesn't have to post up either. So he's kind of like a new breed center, but the FIBA game is tailored to serve that old school game where you still right. need somebody down low that can get you buckets, you know? Right. And the Americans, they were really the only team that didn't have that. And nope. the only reason that they won was because they kind of had a glitch where KD can create anything off the bounce. And even though it's a mid-range jumper, well, his mid-range jumper is as effective oh, as anybody that's going in the post or whatever, you know? So right. that was their major advantage compared to everybody else. But you still have to think about, well, a big man still has to be able to do big man things in a way. Right. Um, you know, not really, to be honest. I think this is where I feel like KD is, uh, not KD, but KD is a glitch, is KD being able to shoot three. Yeah. The final game would have been 30. Yeah. Because... Rudy's not going to sit in the paint camp and then, yeah, I take this three, bang. I take this three, bang. I, ah, man, we might have to take out Rudy because AD is killing us. And yeah. then when you're you trying to go smaller, AD going to catch those balls all day and dunk it on your head. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's, I think it's the guys that they had, um, like you were talking about Draymond and the other one, is they, they fit into the NBA because obviously NBA is entertainment. Um, but, When it comes to AD, AD is more fit into that style that they want to play because AD is basically, you know what I'm saying, like obviously a lower tier KD where he doesn't necessarily post up, but he can make those jump shots from outside that is going to hurt you. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're going to switch, AD can post up a smaller guy and get buckets. And if you're well, not switching. That, that, that's the key though, like you said. Right, if, if right. You, if you put a smaller guy on him, he can actually go down low and, you're right. and you know, he'll shoot over him. And that's, Yeah. And that's why I feel like if you look at the NBA today, like the big men that are able to do that, the only American is really AD. Yeah. And that was like, because you go down the line and people are complaining, well, they don't have any bigs. They don't have any bigs. Well, look at the list of the best big men in the league. Who's American? Yeah. Facts. You know, there's not that many. And it kind of hurts because the guy that probably would have been That is a boogie. Absolutely. But with the injuries and everything, like that kind of cost them one major piece of, you know, the national team. But at the same time, you have to be able to produce guys that, you know, develop into that sort of player. Because yeah. every big man can do it. You know, yeah. Spain, the Gasols are on their way out, but Hernan Gomez was looking like, you know... <laughs> Shaq right. out there where he was really giving those guys trouble because you know what he can take advantage of a smaller guy yeah so yeah I feel like the 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 FIBA game kind of exposed some things about you know the North American way of playing ball right but at the end of the day I mean the United States still produced the most talent and you know They still have that guy that was born in 88 in PG County. 
you know, to count them. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know? He's American and he wants to play for the U.S. So right. <laughs> at the end of the day, he's the best player in the world and that's all that matters. That's it. That's really the only thing that matters. Right. So, but no, I think, I think it was fun to, to, to kind of watch all those things develop and kind of analyze, you know, some of the differences. And I don't know if you noticed, I mean, on the, on the Twitter sphere, a lot of people were sort of happy about, you know, the lack of replay, the pace of, you know, the game, the, not, the non lack of commercials, et cetera. Like, all those little things that kind of frustrate us when you watch a game in the last three minutes and the last 35 minutes. Right. Like, wh what did you think about all those things? Um, you know what? I'm a, when it comes to, you know, nice plays, I kind of like the replays, man. Uh, you know, to me, it, I like to see what happened, you know what I'm saying, on certain situations. But you're right that they can cut a few stuff up. But that's why I said when I, earlier when I was talking, I called the NBA entertainment. But you know not, not, I mean? the replay, not the replays in the sense of a play that happened. Oh, the, like the fouls in there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, called the challenges and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, the reviews. Yeah, the reviews, the play rather. reviews. Um, you know what, man? Listen, I, I, I get it. Um, but to me, if it's for my team, I definitely do want the reviews. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> like, I feel like... You know what I mean? People, a lot of fans are hypocrites. You know what I'm saying? Because if they're reviewing for your team to potentially get the ball back or get an extra point to win the game, to win the championship, you won't be sitting there crying. You know what I'm saying? But if, let's say, it's going against, ah, man, I don't like this. Yeah, make it for it if it was a situation where your team is going to get an advantage on it. You know what I'm saying? Then I want you to keep Don't, the don't same you think advantage. that over time, like, those things kind of even out? Because, you know, We complain about the reviews because, like, you could literally review anything in those last three minutes, right? In the last two minutes. Right. But the thing is, sometimes if a call is made, a call is made. And, like, the ref saw something. And usually, mm -hmm. like, the out-of-bounds stuff, it, it's usually obvious. If it's off the tip of a finger or whatever, like... Right. Come on, it is what it is. Like, that's a fact. That's, that's a fact. And no ref actually call that for real. Exactly. You know, and that type of human error is kind of part of the game. Like, the players make mistakes. It is. And the refs have to be close to perfection, but they're also going to make small mistakes. Right. You know? So, I feel like trying to take that element completely out of the game by reviewing every single thing that happens, I mean, it cuts out on the flow of the game. It makes it absolutely a terrible no, I, viewing experience, honestly. Sometimes. No, when, when it... When it comes to that, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, especially, like, I think, what, is the last two minutes or three minutes? Last two minutes. Last, last two minutes. Last two minutes. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, I'm not trying to review everything. Like, you guys just let it go. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all overdoing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But at the same time, that goes with some of the stuff that, you know what I'm saying, with the NBA, where I guess they want to fix it now. Talking about, you know what I'm saying, guys drawing the fouls. And nah, I hate those rules, man. Like, You can't even allow defense to do their thing. And that's how what I kind of low-key liked about the international stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't allow guys to be, you know, physical and, you know, and play. Uh, and even that's something I realized that the Americans adjusted as it went. You know what I'm yeah. saying? When they first started, there were a lot of crime. But as it was going, I think they, they got used to it. And they, they just, you know what I'm saying, kind of played through it a little more. But And they kind of I, I, I am with you. 
I, I think like they even took advantage of it because absolutely they were allowed to be more physical at the rim and them being stronger, more athletic than everybody else. Well, it kind of played into their advantage. Yes, yes. But I think I even made a, a joke because uh, the ref started calling some stuff on. I was like, man, and the national ball was you know physical until the Americans decided exactly to play right. <laughs> Until they decided to put some physicality in it, and and right. then uh, you know the French guys started f f to flop and, and whatever. Right. So, like, yeah, you know, obviously you, you kind of want to be physical, but at some point these Europeans also know how to you know bend the rules as well. Absolutely, absolutely. But you know, it was a it was a really fun tournament. Honestly, I feel like uh, it's just a confirmation of some of the things we see. Luca is incredible. Uh, incredible. You know, he's, he's really going to be an all-timer. Hey, man. Watching him on that stage. Crowd, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that been, you know what I mean, been talking about, talk about Lucas since last year. I had private messages of people calling me crazy. But hey, man, you know, who am I, you know? Well, the thing is that, because... I ain't got that crystal ball, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of the, the state statements you made last year were kind of controversial last year, but I think this year people would agree that um, what you said last year is probably true now, you know? You feel me? He's, Yo, come on, man. He's, he's in that upper echelon in the league, and, you know. He is good, man. He is good. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's great. No, Luca is different. And what's scary is he looked like he has a retired man's body. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He plays at his own uh, pace. Yeah. It's scary. You almost feel like he could play until his 50. Yeah. No, he definitely <laughs> could. I don't think that this is a guy that is going to age so well. His game is going to age like fine wine. It's crazy. Because as he goes and, you know, as he, get more, as he gets more in shape, um, I think by the time he hits 26, 27, he's probably going to be at his peak physically and mentally, and that's going to be a problem. But then as he goes into his 30s, then he's just going to be, like, probably the best post-up player in the league at that point. Yeah. You know, because he's going to be, what, 6'8"? You know, by then he's probably going to be 230, 240. Um, some grown man strength, some savvy moves, an understanding of the game that's going to be off the chain. Right. I think I think he's I mean I I can't wait to see what what Luca is going to look like in a few years cuz it's, it's scary. The it's scary man. What we see in the NBA and in international play, I mean this guy's got a medal. Like he's going to win a medal with Slovenia. Yeah. As long as they give him a good supporting cast, I mean that supporting cast is pretty good, but it's it's a it's an aging team, you know. Those aren't guys that are 22 like him. Yeah. So they're, you know, as long as they produce players that are able to, you know, fit a certain role around them, you see that, like, he's going to be able to, to win a lot of games internationally. Yep. No, definitely. Um, who, who's the player that kind of surprised you in, in a good way where you thought, okay, he's probably better than I thought? In the whole tournament? Yeah. Man, I'm not going to say I was surprised by anyone, to be honest. Uh, Unless you can throw a name in there that I didn't think about. Well, But for me, for me, it was really Levine. Levine? Yeah. I don't know, man. 
<laughs> no? I don't know, man. I don't know. Because I, I, I felt like he was – he fit in a certain role for that team that mm-hmm. I didn't know he could, he could adjust into. Or right. he was essentially a backup point guard. Right. He played, uh, you know, as a catch-and-shoot guy. And right. defended the ball really well. Right. So him doing all those things, I was like, okay, he really has a much better understanding of the game than I thought he had. And also really, well, obviously he had some nice skill sets, but I really think it's, it's the mental aspect of it. That I was like, okay, yeah, he understands things that right. understands how to fit it to a certain role. And, you know, he was really important and him being able to fit that role and doing that well, I was like, okay, I think he is, he's probably an upper echelon. Like he's not top 15 or whatever, but right. closer to the top 20 than I thought he was. Right. You know, and that really bodes well for their team. Yeah. Next year and the years after, because if he, if he's an all NBA guard. Right then, you know, they, they're going to have to be in the playoffs with now the squad yeah. that they have. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. Uh, no, looking at it like that, I, I am with you on that. Um, you know what I'm saying? His ability. But then again, it's, it's him toning down his game. Uh, obviously, he developed his shot, so he's, he's a better shooter, so he was able to be a catch-and-shoot guy. Um, you know, that skill set that he worked on. But as far as, like, him toning his game, when you look at it, you know what I'm saying, he was probably the only guy that has never really won anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, they won four games in a row, and they're like, it's the first time he wins four games in a row. Yeah, in you his life. That's wild. You get what I'm saying? So when you look at it like that, a guy coming in like that, it's easier for him to be come from a humble place and adjust. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to discredit him, but I'm saying, like, let's say compared to, let's say, Jason Tatum, who had to make any adjustment, it's hard to get Jason Tatum toned down. I played mm-hmm. with the Celtics. We've been making a playoff. You know what I'm saying? Like, we we were in a conference finals. I was, like, a few shots away from beating LeBron James and going to the finals in my rookie year. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You want to tone me down? You better chill. You better ask somebody else to tone down. You get what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying that's what he's saying, but human nature kicks in in that situation. You know what I'm saying? Where you may not say it, but you play that way. You get what I'm saying? Where it's hard for you to change yourself drastically. And I yeah. feel like Zach, it was more like it was such a, you know what I'm saying, beautiful opportunity for him to win in something that he has not won in so long that I catch and shoot bet. You know what I'm saying? I worked on my game to do that. I got to defend bet because now I'm on a team that I don't have to do everything. Yeah. The team. I can, you know what I'm saying? Like kind of limit my game to this and that is perfect for me because winning is more important than what I can do individually. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? As far as like putting up numbers. So I feel like that plays a role and also obviously I seen him I guess doing his work out trying to learn some of the rules. So he kind of took this thing really, you know what I'm saying, to heart where he, you know, he was digging deep into the best way he can fit into that team. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, you're you're definitely right. I think I think maybe the part of him, you know, not winning allowed him to be a little more, you know, humble in his approach. Where right. he, he understood that you needed certain, like, if you haven't been 
in some places, then you need to do things differently. And, you know, he understood that. He defended at a high level on the ball, off the ball, and, you know, did the things, like you said, you know, catch and shoot. And, yeah. And I felt like when driving to the lane, he was really assertive and trying to kind of dunk with two hands every time. You know, he wasn't trying to, you know, get layups or whatever. He was really – he understood that it was a more physical game, so you have to be a little more, you know, tough when you get – right. Right. Um, but as far as Tatum, I, I don't think Tatum kind of toned down his game. He was just, I think, kind of a mini version of KD coming off the bench, right? I felt like that was sort of <laughs> that was sort of his role, and he was really. He but was, that's why I said that man was not going to tone down his game. He was <laughs> he not going to tone him down. He, he was, played like that. That's <laughs> how he plays, and and I felt like seeing him kind of also reconfirm what I thought about him, where I was like. He's going to be the best one-on-one scorer in the league once KD is past his prime, I feel. He's going to be he's that gonna, guy. He's going to be one of those guys. I, right now, I, I don't like to kind of jump to that conclusion because I can't think yeah. of anybody right now, but I'm with you. Though. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just, in my mind, I'm trying to think who else, you know what I'm saying, is nice like that. But you're right. Um, the package, you know what I'm saying, is real. You know what I mean? Like As far as like his ability to get into that bag and, you know what I'm saying, scoring on multiple ways um, is definitely wild. Uh, he has it. And the stronger he gets, you know what I'm saying, the more confidence he gets, the scarier he gets. And his mentality of him, like I said, I think if the mentality he has right now, he had it when they played in the conference finals, they beat Cleveland. Because yeah. after he dunked on LeBron, he kind of sat back like, all right, it's my rookie year. Yeah. I expect the vets to kind of take us there. Yeah. But now, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you said, him not toning down his game is like him understanding who he is. And it's like, yo, I got to be myself. So if, if he had that energy, man, they would have been in the finals as a rookie. You know what I mean? So definitely, I'm with you on that. That mentality is, is the scariest part. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Um, so... <laughs> Let's let's move on to the uh, to the next subject. Right. Shout out to USA basketball. Shout out to France. Shout out to Australia. Uh, next subject: free agency. Right. A lot of teams need moves. A lot of player moves. Um, you know, which team did you think were the winners and you know sort of made the most to put themselves in a position to kind of contend? Once again, <laughs> Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every year. Yo, every year is like that, yo. It's, it's, it's getting ridiculous now, man. Yeah. Well. No, the, 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 the Lakers obviously winners. Okay. Um, uh, they, they're one of the winners. Um, I like what, uh, what's the name did? Uh, Brooklyn did with Patty. Um, well, not think, only Patty. I think Brooklyn kind of, you know, they they put that bench. They they have a solid bench now. Right, right, and and I think you know what I'm saying they they might just need that you know what I'm saying that that big. But actually, no. I you know what I like some of the guys like James Johnson that yep. they that they brought in. You know what I'm saying one of those tough guys because listen, if those guys they can slow down. 
you know what I'm saying, the bigger guys and, and still be able to be reliable on making outside shots, man, that team could just run and score 200 points every night. Well, that's the thing. Like, they, they really – I feel like James Johnson bringing back, back Blake, obviously, it's like we have to have bodies for Giannis and AD when we meet down the line. Right. You know, Absolutely. we need we need kind of guys to be able to guard those p- players and not put that burden on KD for him. And because KD is probably going to have to play, you know, 40 minutes in the playoffs again um, and have a big offensive loss. Obviously, if they're healthy, they're not going to use KD as much as they use them in those playoffs. But still, it's like KD is going to have to be the best player in the world offensively. We need guys that can sort of help you know, save him defensively. Right. So, yeah, those signings were, were definitely key. And, yeah, as for the Lakers, man, it, it's incredible. Now, they, they kind of have a really balanced roster. They do. You know, and, and you, you were... <laughs> you were <laughs> when the trade happened, you know, you said, oh, I didn't like the trade for this and that reason, but I told you, I, I mean... They have spots to fill, and they're probably going to fill it with shooters. And that's exactly, no, absolutely. That's exactly. But I, I still don't think they're going to win. You know what I'm saying? But I think you made your case as far as when you said, like the way the West is looking right now, like they kind of have a an easy path to to the finals. You know what I mean? Because you know, obviously, anytime you have LeBron, a healthy LeBron James on a on a roster, you know what I'm saying? You give yourself a chance, but. Now you add a healthy AD, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you definitely have that chance. The team that made it to the finals, they were AD away from beating them and probably heading to the finals. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that right there, but then, you know what I mean, you add Russ, which I still don't feel like, you know, that is going to work out against an elite team that is prepared. Um, yeah. I think that the chemistry, the way they play, you can kind of find ways to expose Rust a little bit, and how are they going to adjust to that? That's going to be, that's going to be big. But I'm, I'm with you. I think that roster they built it up. Um, that was expected. You know what I mean? Anytime you got LeBron on the team on free agency, if he's not looking like a Finals team, he's gonna push for the team to make some moves for sure. Well, yeah, because I mean, the thing is, if you're LeBron, you you're one of the best players in the league, and you have to understand that your prime. He's maybe past his prime or at the very, very tail end of his prime. So you can't waste those years in having a team that's sort of in the middle or, you know, rebuilding or whatever they're doing. You need to have a team that is contending. For sure. So it's, it's totally understandable with the moves that they made. And people are kind of laughing about the fact that they have old players. Well, young teams don't usually win. You, you kind of need veterans. and Right. Because – you need that kind of experience, that kind of savvy on the court, you know, for you to win those ball games. So I think, I think it's totally normal the the team that they they built. Um, no, definitely. I kind of wish they had another. I don't think they have any other wings that is kind of athletic and you know can help them in in different situations. But yeah, what's his name would have been good. Who Iggy. Yeah, Iguodala would have definitely helped. But, yeah. you know, the Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk signing is, you know, I like that. Um, yeah. That is definitely something that, you know, they did. I was like, okay, you know, 
I see I see what they're where they're at. Right. Um but aside from that, you know, obviously they got Carmelo. Um they brought back Dwight, uh Trevor Ariza. So kind of older guys, but they understand sort of what to do in order to you know to win ball games. Right. But a a 29-year-old version of Ariza would have probably been a little more helpful. Right. But I don't necessarily mind uh you know 36-year-old version of of, of Trev either, you know. Yeah. So yeah, so that's my thing. Like like you said, I don't know if they're going to win, but I feel like they made the right moves in order for them to to have a little higher ceiling than they did last year. Because exactly. last year, when AD got injured, you sort of now would count on, you know, KCP to be your second best guy. Right. And that was not necessarily viable. So, or not, uh, actually, Schroeder was the guy. And they still have to make a decision on Schroeder because if they bring back Schroeder or they sign and trade him for something nice where they, they may get a, an athletic win, Because that's a $20 million slot that they have. So if they can sign and trade uh, Schroeder for something, then I think they have the pieces together for, to make a run at it. And probably right. going, are going to be the heavy favorites in the West. Because now I think they're favorite, but I still think Golden State has a shot and Phoenix still has a shot. Because Phoenix just said, run it back. Yeah. And... That team is pretty good still. So if if that's that's the team that's gonna run it back, then I kind of like their chances as well. No, definitely. I, I I like Phoenix chances, but the thing is, whenever they go against AD, it's tough on Chris Paul, and we we spoke about that. Um, yeah, you know what I'm saying on those pick and rolls, and you know what I'm saying how AD is able to hard hedge and double team him, and they kind of struggle with that. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's why, like, I have a hard time betting on Phoenix. And that's why I was betting more on uh, Utah just because of how Rudy is able to just switch up on, you know what I'm saying, on, on, on what's his name, on Russ. You know what I'm saying? Put him on Russ so he can still camp the paint and protect the paint. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? A little bit. That's why I, I was thinking like that. But I love Phoenix team because obviously, you know, the, the guys, the core stays the same, the roles are established, so it's always going to make them a threat. But once you get to the playoff, then certain adjustment, you know, it makes it tough. And we've seen it this year. You know what I'm saying? As far as like the adjustment that was made that they allowed, you know, the Bucks to win. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's fair. And, you know, Utah is probably another team that, you know, they're still going to be contending. But, They haven't changed much, and they might lose Joe Ingles. So, um, I mean, he was on in trade talks, so I don't know what's the situation there. So th- that's the thing. If Utah, Utah is, isn't changing anything, they could still get exposed the same way that they were exposed by the Clippers, right? Exactly. So that's why, like, until they have a version of that team that I can say, well, if they turn into that, then I trust them then I don't know if I can put them in that upper echelon of real contenders. Uh, but Golden State, I really like their moves. They added Otto Porter Jr. Um, you know, obviously they drafted Kuminga and Moses Moody. They brought back Iguodala. I feel like they're back. Absolutely. They're, I, I think they're going to be a top three team in the West. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, because, you know, we, we already, you know, about, you know, uh, Chef Curry, you know, one of the right. what, three best players in basketball. Mm. <laughs> And then Definitely. you add in now, hopefully super healthy Clay Thompson. Right. Uh, you know, Otto Porter Jr., Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, gold medal, Draymond Green. Uh, yeah. Moses nah, they, 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 they're ready. And, and, and the thing is, I feel like now you can kind of, and I hope, I hope they kind of use those, those youngins a little more and not just throw them behind the, uh, the veterans, you know, because right. Moody and, uh, and Kuminga are sort of going to play behind Otto Porter, Wiggins, and Iguodala. Right. But you can kind of ease them in and kind of hope that they can bring some energy and not necessarily, you know, just put them on the bench and throw them in the G League and they don't necessarily get that NBA rep, you know. Yeah, I feel like Joe, 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 you can implement right away, especially if he can start defending and things like that. You know, he has NBA body, NBA athleticism. He's ready yeah. to go. Um, his shooting obviously still needs work, but if they simplify it in which that team is able to do with all the talent and skills and, and scoring that they have out there, when you simplify it for a guy like that, you know what I'm saying? He could just be straight out. Yeah, I mean, kind of reminds me, I hate to bring it because it's going to almost make me feel like I'm doing the Kendrick Perkins comparison. <laughs> when, Jordan Bell, when Jordan Bell got there, you know what I'm saying? He was able to start on that championship year a lot of games because roles were simplified. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes he'll go screen and slip. He'll dunk. You know what I'm saying? He'll defend and stuff like that. And I think Joe is a lot better offensively. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, when you get him into, into that situation, you can for sure use him right away and, you know, and slowly bring him in because the, the, the beauty of it is your stars can win, uh, can win a lot of games. So it's not a situation of, are we going to make the playoff? It's a situation of when we get to the playoff, mm -hmm. how ready are we? How deep is our team? You know exactly. And I feel like in the past, they've done a good job with that where, you know, a la, what you call the San Antonio Spurs where, you know, like you, you ease your guys into it so that when the time comes, You know, they, they're not phased by, by the big moments. Exactly. They could count on, on a Quinn Cook, uh, on an Ian Clark, you know, on guys exactly. like that. Exactly. You don't necessarily expect them to contribute, but the fact that they've been in so many situations uh, during the season, they're not necessarily phased, and they could, you know, come in for a three-minute span and give you two, three shots that they make, and you're like, okay, yeah, you know, I can trust those guys. So, yeah, I feel like, yeah, you're, you're right. They, they can – probably easing him more uh, because of his physicality. But I, I think as far as understanding of the game, Moses is probably ahead of him. It's just that, right. you know, he's still very, very young uh, physically, you know, still has a, not necessarily a man's body yet, like Jonathan Kuminga or that's right. a man child, you know, so he's probably gonna, going to have to adjust the physicality of the league. And then exactly. once he's, Is he adjust? I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to contribute for that team. I, I think they, they, Absolutely. they really drafted well. They, um, you know, they de did some key signings. I, I, I think this is one of the better offseason that they've had since, you know, the KD obviously came over. Right. No, definitely. Definitely. I think they, they, they're ready to go, man. They're ready yeah. to go.
The yeah. guys are well rested. You know what yep. I'm saying? Haven't made the playoff in a while because of injury. Except for Draymond. Draymond, Draymond. Except for Draymond, yeah. He went and got that gold. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. You know, <laughs> shout out to Draymond, though. You know, shout out the haters on Twitter and, like, yeah. you know, expose those things. <laughs> he was wild, man. I feel him though, man. You gotta do this. You, know, you, you gotta tuck your junk, man. Once you're up there, yeah. <laughs> you finish the job. And you're like, yeah. You said what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what's up, baby? What's that shit you were talking? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, shout out to Dre, man. Dre, Dre brought a lot of comedy after that gold medal game. That was that was definitely. Um, another thing that made a huge splash during the off season is the the Bulls. True. I thought you was gonna say Miami first, but yeah. Uh, let, let's let's talk about the Bulls. I got a lot of stuff about Miami, man. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about the Bulls first. <laughs> um, so the Bulls, obviously, they they brought in um, Lonzo for mm-hmm. eighty million for four years, and then right. they brought in Demar in a signing trade for right eighty five for three years. What do you think? And and for Demar, they had to give up Tad Tad Young, right? Which was kind of big, I thought. Yeah. Um. So, how'd you feel about their moves? I liked Zoe. Yeah, I liked Zoe for Zed. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about Demar in that picture. Um, I always felt like. Um, which call this? I always felt like Demar. When you have Demar, you need a lot more catch and shoot guys because Demar is more ball dominant. Yeah, Demar is very ball dominant. Exactly, he operates in the mid range area and a post up. Um, so obviously now that works out for Zoe because um, Zoe doesn't really need the ball. He's usually trying to get rid of it pretty quickly, or mm-hmm. he just kind of. You know what I'm saying? He's not the type of guy that's using a pick and roll and, you know, picking the defense apart. That's not his style. You know what I'm saying? He's more up-tempo guy and he'll give the ball to the best player and kind of fade away and, you know, watch him operate. He's worked on his catch and shoot, so, you know, he's much better in that situation. And that's why I liked him for Zach because I felt like him with Zach, he would just give the ball to Zach and let Zach go for 30 like he did in the past season. The only thing is now Zach doesn't have to try to facilitate for other guys anymore as much, you know what I'm saying? That won't be demanded from him. But now you got my man DeMar in there. It's like, I feel like him and Zach are kind of similar. I think the, the biggest difference, obviously, Zach is shoot the three much better. Um, but with, you know, DeMar being the game now, Zach gonna have to be a lot more of a catch and shoot guy because he has to let DeMar operate. Because if Zach is the one operating, you kind of cancel out DeMar a little bit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's not as effective. So it's like, it could work. They're a better team on paper, but the chemistry, I still need to see how they're going to make it work. And that's going to be the type of situation. Zach might have to tone it down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Let DeMar be the alpha. And I think in, in, in a certain time, you know what I'm saying, Zach kind of go crazy a little bit. But, you know, it kind of gives me that uh, that D-Wade, LeBron vibe when they first got together with the, with the Heat, where... You know what I'm saying? D-Wade is a more mid-range guy operating there. Lamar, uh, DeMar, uh, sorry, LeBron was more of a dominant guy, even mm-hmm. though he was facilitating. But when LeBron had the ball, it, it wasn't the best situation for D-Wade unless D-Wade was cutting to the basket. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I don't see 
DeMar being a cutting guy. And Zach could cut a little bit, but, you know, he's young. He kind of likes to have the ball a little bit yeah. to do his thing. So it's like, uh, it, it looks good, but I, I got to see it develop more. But let, 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 me, let, me counter, let me counter a little bit on, on what you just said. Um, Go ahead. And we, we mentioned the fact that, you know, Zach toned it down, toned it down in the Olympic team and kind of had to play a catch-and-shoot role and, and whatever. I think their idea of this roster, and mm -hmm. it's probably, and I don't know if it's a reality. Um, and as you said, Zoe kind of likes to give up the ball. He's a facilitator, but doesn't really like to kind of create off the dribble. Right. They're trying to take some load off of Zach. Right. And I think that's really the goal of putting DeMar in that, in that situation where DeMar is probably going to become that primary ball handler slash creator. And then okay. Zach can kind of focus on really just getting buckets. Right. Attacking closeouts and catch and shoot situations instead of, you know, him being really the guy with the ball and trying to create off the bounce and, you know, having the hard tasks that sometimes right. it takes a lot of energy off of you. Kind of give that to DeMar, where DeMar is right. the primary creator, and then Zach can kind of play off of him. And with the skill set that he has, like we said, he can really shoot the ball. You know, he's a pretty good cutter. He can kind of move off the ball, and he's shown it, you know, in the past. Now you, you have him in a situation where he's a real shooting guard, you know? Right. And he really just has to focus on get buckets and i feel like it, it could probably be something that's beneficial for him and then lonzo would probably you know we saw in the last few years he really developed as a catch and shoot guy so he's gonna get some wide open looks because you know demar really creates well for others so i think that's kind of the goal surrounding demar with guys that can shoot the ball for him to be able to create and then zach is just a more advanced version of kind of some of the guys that he had in San Antonio where, you know, those guys couldn't necessarily get themselves a bucket, but Zach can do that as well. So right. I think, I think that's what they're seeing in, in that roster. And I feel like offensively, it kind of works. My only concern is defensively. Because, right. Um, they, I mean, they have, Obviously, Patrick Williams that they signed, they, they drafted last year as a fourth spot, and he was really promising. But they really put the onus on him to be the guy that's going to shut down those tall wings that dominate the NBA, especially the East. Because right. Patrick Williams is going to have to guard Chris Middleton. Patrick Williams is going to have to guard Kevin Durant. Patrick right. Williams is going to have to guard um, Poor guy. Jason Tatum, you know? So... I think I think that's the only concern. Where is that really your final roster and your final call on this is the team that we want and this is the team that? But they're better than last year, and that's what matters. They're better than right. were the previous year, and they're probably going to make the playoffs with the roster that they have now. So I think they put themselves in a position to be more successful than the last four years, which I think right. is a plus. I mean, it's a win for them this off season. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I think that's probably their, their, what they're thinking right now. Is I think first and first, let's make the playoff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And see what it's about. And I think once, you know what I'm saying? Like you start winning game, 
that pushes other guys to want to join the team. You know how that thing works, man. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Guys want to play for championships, and look what happened in Miami. You know what I'm saying? They're winning now. Guys want to get traded over there and things like that, you know, and that's how it goes. I think if they could show that – because people always like Chicago. Uh, I think the problem is they haven't been winning, so it's like yeah. they don't want to be there. But if they can show that with that roster, they can make a nice run um, – you know what I mean? Make it a playoff, win a few games, and, and things like that. I think other guys that are looking out there that may not necessarily want to join a Brooklyn Nets or, you know what I'm saying, Los Angeles Lakers could be like, dude, that's a cool place where I can find, you know what I'm saying, a nice role in there and still very, be very, very much competitive. Exactly. Because Chicago's been a free agent de destination. I mean, when D. Rose was there, it was a free agent destination. I mean, they've always mm -hmm. found ways, to, you know, they got Carlos Boozer to go there. They got, you know, Ben Wallace, when he was coming off the Pistons, uh, Paul Gasol off the Lakers, he signed with the Bulls. So, you know, they, they've had players come in that were really good and made that team better. So I think once they, they're, they're able to sort of show that they can win games and that, that roster is interesting, that Zach Levine is a star that you should want to play with, I think they're going to be able to attract other players as well so absolutely now it's just a matter of fact let's first kind of put ourselves in a situation kind of like the suns last year where booker was elevated to that status of real star and now right. people are like yeah you know what if ever i want to play as a veteran guy a role on the team i can go to phoenix and play that role and sort of help Devin booker you know get to where he wants but um yeah i, I think they, they they made some solid moves Yeah, no, definitely. I'm with you on that. So let, let's move on to Miami, the Heat. Heat culture. They got Yes, sir. They, they got Kyle Lowry. They got a guy that fits into that mold, man. Yep. He definitely gonna fit in, in that mold. Um so now their roster and they they signed also they re-signed uh Duncan Robinson for four years, 80 million. Um, so they have basically their starting five is Lowry, uh, Duncan, they have Jimmy, they have Bam, and who else is, is on that roster? Uh, uh, they got those kids. <laughs> well, Tyler Hero is still there, but right. I don't know if it's going to be starting. No, definitely not. Um, hold up a second. Let, let's let's look at this. Hold on, they got you said. Did you say Depot? No, Depot is not there. Hold up. Oh, PJ Tucker. Did you resign with them? Yeah, PJ Tucker. That's a good one. Yeah. No, Depot's. Hold a up. Where's Depot? He's a free yeah, agent. Yeah, but I I had heard something. He was about to sign with them. He about he was about to resign. That's I what I heard. heard. I could have swear I seen that. Because they traded for him last year from. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. He re-signed Victoria Oladipo. So they have Depot. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, think, I think that gives me a little bit more um, reassurance. Right. I would say. But that injury is pretty serious. Still that quad injury that, you know, took him out a few years ago. Um, so, yeah, they have Depot. They have Kyle, Duncan, PJ, Jimmy, Bam. Obviously, Tyler Hero, they signed Marky Morris. What do you think about that roster? I like the roster, man. I like the roster. Uh, 
I said, Kyle fits into that mold. You know, mm-hmm. seeing the toughness that you know, seeing all those guys. Uh, you How know, much they better are they from last year, though? I think they they're much better. Yeah, they're much better. Yeah, um, I think they, they they hit a wall last year. Kyle, especially in playoffs, he could give you some great games. You know, what I'm saying veteran, even on the defensive end, which I felt like that was their thing, the reason why they were able to get as deep as they were able to get. Mm-hmm. But last year, you know what I'm saying, they were just getting washed all over the place. I think P.J. Tucker brings that toughness uh, once again on the defensive end, too. I think they, they're really rugged out there, you know what I mean? And, yeah, no, I like, I like the way they look, man. I like the way they look. I, I have, I have a, an issue. That my only issue is right. how are they going to score? They're going to defend. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they're, they're going to defend. But, like, that's the thing. That's my problem. Like, GV kind of got exposed this year in the playoffs where – He did. He can't, he can't shoot the three anymore. Man, he got exposed in the finals. You know, and, and it's like, okay, so if Jimmy can't shoot the three and we're able to go under every screen for him, so – and the, the key is clogged. And Bam can't really create his offense and can't really score at that level either. Who's going to be the guy? That's why I like Depot. Yes, if Depot is healthy. Right. But Depot is not like he, he had a quad surgery in April. So he may be back for the playoffs. Right. And. If he's back for the playoffs, obviously missing a whole regular season, he's not going to be 100%. Yeah, that's tough. That's their roster. I don't that's know. What, where does that get you? And, yeah. you know, like, that's the thing about this team where I feel like, obviously, they gave a lot of money for Duncan Robinson. They didn't want to lose him. I guess they, <laughs> there was a market for him. But... Man. If a guy like um, Reggie Jackson went for $11 million, why not take him? That's a fair. Instead of a, a P.J. Tucker, because I feel like the P.J. Tucker role, you can kind of put, you know, other guys in that position. Like, that's mm-hmm. a little bit easier to find. But talking to some guys, it seems like Reggie wanted to be a Clipper. It was a matter of Clippers offering something decent. I don't think he really wanted a bag. And I understand or, or the, situation the situation is great for him. The situation right. is great for Reggie. But I think Miami, if you can kind of put the pieces in place and say, you know what? Look, your role is going to be this and that. You're 6'4 guard, long guards. You can defend. Um, we would we'd really like to have you. You can fit in as one of the best ISO guys in the league, like you were in the playoffs last year, we're really going to need you. Because now they're counting on Tyler Hero to really get better and provide some offensive spark off the bench. And that's going to be a big key for them next year. Facts. But if Tyler still gets targeted on on defense and they can't really protect him like like that, I mean – how are they going to keep him on the court? If they can't keep him on the court, then now you find yourself again in the position where 
you have guys on your starting five, some of your best players, some of your highly paid guys that are offensively lim limited. Right. Like yeah. that's I, I don't feel like they get themselves in a position where they can get back to where they were two years ago. I don't I don't think it moves the needle that much with the moves that they made. Especially, you know, and Kyle is great. Kyle's been a great Raptor and everything. But Kyle doesn't get you. No, Kyle, no, Kyle doesn't get you 35. He ain't no day. You know what I'm saying? Kyle would get you buckets, but you know what I'm saying? Not on command like that. Exactly. You know I mean? He's going to be a nice, you know, probably 18 points a game next year. You know He's a saying? nice but, complimentary guy. Right, right. But you need you need that main guy first. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's tough. That's tough. They're going to have to lock down. Keep, keep teams to 50 points. Exactly. Those those games are gonna have to be very very ugly for them to win because yeah, yeah. especially in the playoffs because if 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 they can't find you know success that great success defensively, they can find themselves in a position the same as last year and they get swept out of the playoffs again. Yeah. Just because I don't know who scores. I, I really yeah. I'm looking at the roster. I'm just like, who do I trust? Give me some buckets when it matters. Fact. You know. Yeah. So that that was my that was my thought on the Miami Heat, and I love I love the Heat. I love you know Pat Riley. You know that's a great organization, but I just think, and especially resigning, just running it back. I don't know if that does anything. Like they 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 signed Butler to an extension, four years. Uh, Obviously, Bam is on a huge contract. Uh, now, Robinson is on a four-year contract as well. Uh, Kyle on a three-year, $90 million deal. So it's like, and you had to give up Dragic. You had to give up Precious. So you, you kind of gave up some depth and did not necessarily add someone that moves the needle that much. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure about those moves. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. But hey, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, maybe maybe Jimmy finds his three-point shot back and, you know, is able to go back to that all all league level, you know, challenge some of the top guys in the league, but aside of that, I don't because what we saw from Bam, I don't think Bam is going to change from now until the start of the season so they become a, an offensive force, you know. Yeah, I don't know if it's gonna happen. The season starting in two months. Yeah, no. So it it it's, it was an interesting off season. Um, there are a few teams that still have some moves to make. Uh, what do you think? This artist is Ben Simmons staying in the Sixer? Is Ben Simmons starting the season as a seventy sixer? I doubt it. Yeah, that's 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 done. But where is he going to go? That's also That's a good question. Last I heard, they were talking Dane. Oh, well, they're going to have to give up a lot for Dane. Absolutely. They're going to have to give up the whole roster. Uh, it's levels. <laughs> I mean, you have to give up a lot of picks. You have to be give up Ben. You have to probably the go. The man have just won a gold medal. The price of yesterday. It's, it's not, not the price of the price. 
<laughs> Yesterday's <laughs> price is not today's price. You feel me? That's not all those, like all those guys, all those guys on the U.S. Olympic team, as Fat Joe would say, price went up. Oh, you feel me? Price went up. It's okay. up, man. You just want a gold medal. Price gold medal. Up, man. Price goes up. It's that's what Portland. Is, that's what Portland is telling Sixes right now. Price went up. <laughs> Yesterday's price is not today's price. You feel me? And you know now also shout out to KD also signing uh one ninety eight for four years. He's probably gonna retire as a Brooklyn net now. Yep. You know the contract runs into I think twenty twenty six. So you know he's about to be he's gonna be thirty seven years old by then. Yeah. So that's probably gonna be uh yeah his last stop. But what, dope, do you think, what do you think about those max contracts running for guys past their 35th, you know, 35-year-old and, you know, they're going to get paid $50 million to play basketball at, at 37, 38 years old? Listen, man, a lot of these guys are still playing the league if you have the right rosters around them. I think the only time it's an issue is when the guy's on a horrible team and you got to have them do more. You get what I'm mm-hmm. saying? That's when... It's an issue, but aside from that, I'm I'm with it, man. Like if these guys get their money, you know, what I mean, like LeBron, for example, you know, what I'm saying, like he's been hooping. Yeah. You know what I mean, you know, at his age, but Chris Paul hooping. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, but like I said, but Chris Paul on a not playoff team, he probably looks crazy. Probably injuries kicks in a little more because he's forcing his body a lot more. You know what I mean? But because they're they got a decent roster around them. They get to be that veteran guy that just, you know what I'm saying, do their thing. You know what I mean? But, you let okay, the young guys the, run around. But you that's, just come in and close it. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. Does that – is that worth that much – that amount of money, in a sense? Because if you think about it, the fact you're paying that amount of money because that person elevates your roster so much. Exactly. But – If you're saying now, well, you kind of need a really good roster around those guys, and so to lower their load, well, that's not a $50 million a year player anymore. It's a $50 million because without Chris Paul, Phoenix ain't in the finals. I understand that, but with somebody other than Chris Paul, they're probably close to the finals, especially with the route that they had, right? Maybe they lose to the to uh, what's their name, the Clippers in a conference finals. Right. You know, and, and that's why I feel like this was already a really good roster. And Chris Paul brought it to another level where they were two games away from winning the title. But if it was still Ricky Rubio or if it was maybe, let's say, Kyle Lowry, they'd probably make it to the conference finals. It, it is, and I'm with you. Um, I think – You know what the biggest thing is? Is You know the famous, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. If they were to not sign Chris Paul and they underperform next year, you know who they're coming for. Yes. No, and, and totally. And that, that's, that's definitely facts. You know, you know what I mean? So it's like, so as a guy making that decision, I think that's what's going through their mind because it worked. You get yeah. what I'm saying? Now you're going to have to find a guy that you feel like, all right, he's not – He may be not Chris Paul's level, but he's not, 
you know what I'm saying, no 50 million that I'm I'm giving up. But you know what you're getting for for that 50 million. You get what I'm saying? The other guy, you're not guaranteed that even if you're paying less, you're gonna get whatever. You know what I mean? There's a reason why people pay the price they pay for the Gucci's and Louis and whatever, because you know what you're gonna get. You know what I'm oh. saying? That's how they feel about these vets that they're paying for. They know what they're gonna get. But I, I agree that you paying for their performance now, like paying KD 50 million today is fine. But think paying KD 50 million when he's 37 years old, that's what I'm just like, well, you're kind of paying for past performance at that point. No, you, you're paying for security. Because if you don't give him that contract, he's gone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you're not going to get another KD right now. Yeah, no, and, and you're paying for the security to have him right now. But at the same time, you're go going to be paying for past performance. You know, because, True. yes, somebody's... But, but isn't that how the NBA is, though? Whenever you pay somebody, you pay for their past performance and hoping that they do the same in the future. Anybody, any contract, even if it's a young guy. Because you pay... Most of the young guys... What, a lot of the young guys, for instance, like the uh, Donovan Mitchells and all those guys that, you right. know, to Shea that got a max deal. Well, right now, Shea is not necessarily a top 20 guy, but mm -hmm. he has, he's shown the potential that he's going to be a franchise player. Like, if his development yes. continues as it's going, Shea is a franchise player that Absolutely. And keyword, keyword, he's shown potential. Potential exactly. is only potential until it's delivered. Exactly. So when it comes to the younger guys, you use the word potential. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the older guys, you're saying you're paying for their performance right now. It's literally the same thing. It's just the words are changed. Well, it's, it's, because it's, if it's, Shay, if Shay, if Shay was horrible right now, yes, we would not be having this conversation. Shay no. is good. Yeah, that's why they're like, oh man, if Shay is good like this now, he's probably gonna be whatever. Now for the older guys, we're like, oh, if he's good right now. We just hope he stays that way at 37. We exactly, but it's a completely different thing because you know that most of the time they're not as good as they get older. They're not. When they get they're not, you're right. 35, 36, they're a hundred percent not as good. But you're still gonna right. pay them the price that you would pay at between 26 and 31. Which but but, but but guess what though? Right. Let's yeah. say like a KD, for example. Right. You feel like at 37, he's going to be overpaid. Right. Quote unquote. Yeah. If you win a championship right now. Yeah. Do you care that you're paying him 50 at age 37? Because it was worth it. It's kind of like the whole Toronto Raptors situation with uh, Kawhi. When you told me, I was like, yo, man, this is crazy. He's probably going to leave after you're like, yo. <laughs> They could probably win the whole thing, and it's gonna be worth it to lose Demar to borrow Kawhi for a year because that's what the, essentially that's what you want is a championship. Yeah. So if you're if you get one championship out of KD over this extension, you won. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's what you're aiming for with these guys is if you get to whatever you want to get, you won. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And they bring you over that hump. They bring you to. The promised land and that's why you know what i'm saying they're willing to pay that amount of money for these guys because it's like he takes me there and if he takes me there then i won even if the years after he doesn't because i would have probably never made it and i have never made it to there 
beforehand. So why wouldn't I do that? Yeah, I just I just struggle with that concept because the thing is, you have other sports like say hockey where the contract kind of peaks at a certain point and then becomes lower the money that you're right. making for the guy. So once he hits a certain stage of his career, he gets paid less and less. And I feel like in the NBA, it could it should kind of run like that, where as you get to a certain stage of your career you should probably cost a lot less because what you're going to be able to produce is a lot less than, than, than what you're producing now. That's right. just, that, that's just why I, I kind of struggle with it because I'm like, yes, he's good now. And he's probably going to be good for you for the next three years. But after that peak is passed, now you're paying 51 million, 52 million for a guy that's averaging 21, 23 points a game. Right. Which you could probably find somebody at 20 million that can do that. Facts. You know, and then you have to buy him out, finding him. Like, I don't think that's what's going to happen for Kitty because Kitty is an all time great. That's different. But let's just look at the situation that happened with, uh, with Blake, you know, last, last year, True. the last few years. You know, and True. it's kind of like, like those, things are going to kind of repeat themselves time after time after time where True. you have to pay your people. And I understand that you're paying for security. You have to pay the guys that you have to use that salary cap, but you always find yourself in a situation where he's not producing as much. Your team is not performing as well. Now you kind of have to bottom out and then You kind of have to buy him out, finding a new team, and then he gets the minim veteran's minimum and goes to a team where he's trying to chase the championship. And right. it's kind of like the story of the league the last few years. Like, well, either you find a disgruntled star or you find one of those guys, a disgruntled star to kind of build your team into a championship team or one of those guys that's kind of washed up to be a role player for you on your championship team. Right. You know, and it's like, well then it's probably something that's broken in the system because you can't always have that repeat itself every two years where you have one of those guys that was a superstar and that you kind of put that contract way past his prime and now you're paying not some dead weight, but somebody that's obviously not producing at the level of their contract. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm definitely with you. On that end, when you spoke about the Blake, the Blake situation, I also feel like you also got to know, um, you know what I'm saying, who you're paying to. You know what I'm saying? There's certain guys that you can't – I'm not a big fan of paying athletes. Uh, you know what I mean by athletes. It's guys who I feel like their basketball ability rely a lot more on their athletic ability because I feel like those, those guys, you know, they are an injury away from not being at the same level a year or two from now. Yeah, um, that's why, like, even when KD come out of his injury, I had zero, absolutely zero doubt that he was going to perform at the level that he is. He's yeah. a guy, he's skill set oriented. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, they always find ways to make it work. Um, I'm not worried about Clay Thompson. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, he's a shooter. He's not going to be. So, it, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to know Chris Paul, you know what I'm saying? Um, even though he's getting older, his brain, you know what I'm saying, as far as, like, his IQ for the game is incredible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. His mid-range is still a layup 
Um, so he's going to find ways to perform. So you got to know who also to pay. You know what I mean? You can't just run up on some guy and be like, oh, he's doing good at this age. Let me give him all the money. And you know that he's an athlete and he's probably a year away from starting to decline super heavily. You know what I mean? So I'm with you, though. I, I get what you're saying. Um, you're, you're not wrong. I think I was just playing the devil advocate where I was like, I was put myself in those GMs position where it's like, it's a bozy move to tell Chris Paul, I'm not giving you that money and then watch him leave. You're going to turn the, the bookers and them are going to turn their back on you. You messed up our chance of winning a championship, even though you may be right. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, he's not going to be worth that much money in year whatever. But yeah. in their mind, it's like, yo, we're trying to do it right now. Forget it. about what? two, three years from now. Let two, three years from now take care of itself. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the Jerry Cross situation, right? Right. When we saw in the last dance. And it's, it's, it's a league's old tale, but Jerry Cross, and like you said, he kind of turned the team against him because yeah. of the fact that he wasn't willing to pay Scotty the amount of money. He wasn't willing to bring back that roster because he felt, I'm not going to pay those guys that amount of money where they're on the back end of his career, but you have the greatest player in the league that's telling you, well, you know, we deserve a chance to run it back because we're freaking champions, you know? Yeah. And that, that's kind of where, you know, yes, you can have some clashes with your own players and the team is not sort of, you know, backing you on, on every decision. And yeah, but the thing is, I'm, I'm, I feel like as far as a GM, it's kind of res your responsibility. Yes, you're trying to do good by a player, but you also have to financially do the right things. Right. No, for sure. For sure. It, listen, it's, it's not an easy position to be in, that's for sure. You know what no, I mean? When not. it comes to that stuff. And like we said, we, we out here talking, but you know what I'm saying? Like we said, if you make a move and you turn the team against you, that's, you know, you, you could potentially lose your job because of that. Because yep. now guys don't want to play for the franchise. You look like the dude that ruined the franchise. And yep. it's, it's crazy. Yep. No, definitely. Definitely. But, yeah, it's just... You know, watching guys like, you know, uh, Russell Westbrook bounce around teams because that contract is just a load for teams. Uh, so they kind of have to, you know, give up assets or whatever to, to, to trade them. Same for John Wall. Like, like we said about last year's trade, John Wall for Russ, it was just kind of a depressing trade where you have those guys that have huge contracts. They're obviously past their prime. Right. They're not worth being paid 45, 46 millions a year, but when they got those contracts, they had the ability to elevate a team at that level. Right. And you had to pay them that. And now they're past that level. And it's like, well, yeah, you have three years of paying those guys 45 millions a year. What are you doing now? And, you know, same thing happened to Kemba this summer where, you know, this Celtics were like, well, now we have that contract. He's obviously past his prime. He's obviously not the Kemba that he used to be. Uh, trade him, give up some asset to trade him, and now uh, Oklahoma City bought him out. Then the Knicks are hoping that they can kind of salvage him. Right. So it's a recycled team where it's like, yeah, we're paying. But the thing is like, for instance, that Michael Jordan made a great gamble because he thought, well, right. I'm not going to pay. Like, Kemba's not doing that much for me in the long term. So I don't, I don't want to pay him the max. I'm not going to be the one that, that's going to pay him the max. Right. 
Great. And that brought him LaMelo, and he was able to sign Gordon Hayward after. And now he kind of has a team that has a nice future. You know? So I feel like it's just a thing where y- you have to be responsible in, in how you do things. If, if a guy, like you said, I'm just not a fan of doing it for guys that are not on the upper echelon and right. guys that are going to be way past their prime during that contract. Because Exactly. A, a top five guy that's in his peak always, you know, even top 10. Yeah. But once that player is, but for a guy that's in the top 25, for instance, once he hits 30, don't, don't do that. That's very, very yeah. to me. Yeah. You know? no, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that for sure. So, yeah, that's that. Uh, yeah. About to watch summer league. So, uh, That's 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 a wrap for our our episode. Did you watch it? Did you catch actually? Did you catch a little bit of the Utah Summer League and then the? Uh, no, nah, I was waiting for Vegas. You know what I'm saying? The real one. You need the real, real one, one to get it going. Yeah, yeah where everybody is present. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. No, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So about to catch Vegas. Games are starting right now. So we're gonna see. Who's you know, playing right now? I don't know. I don't even know. I didn't check that. Oh, you sure the game started right now? I thought it was starting at four. Is it a four? I thought it was 2.30. Maybe I'm mistaken. Uh, yeah. Let me see that. Let me see that. Uh, this NBA app was telling me. Oh, yeah, four. You're right. Today at four yeah. Eastern time. Yeah. And one joint got postponed. From yeah. But that. Yeah, they're going to do the whole thing. Man. Like Brad Joe said, COVID was in there. <laughs> Somewhere. Somewhere. God bless. <laughs> 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 it was lurking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so you're about to head to, to Vegas? I'm trying to by the end of the week, man. I'm yeah. trying to. Yeah, so, ah, perf. That's dope. All right. So you're going to be reporting live from Vegas? Yes, right sir. That yes, action. sir. All right. So, um, yeah, let's wrap this up. Anything else you want to talk about or not? No, sir, man. No, sir. This is a great session right here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, we shot, we shot the shit, you know, did our thing. Talked yes, sir. A lot of junk. All right. Take it easy then. Yes, sir. All right, bet.